0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to I Was There. This is the program where we get up close and personal with people who were eyewitnesses to history. I'm Ron Roberson. And I'm Jeff Trujillo. And we're two peas in a podcast. <laughs> I'd be the black-eyed pea. What P you be? <laughs> well, you know, I'm kind of... I'm kind of mixed. I'm a mixed pea. (laughs) A chickpea. Something like that. A chickpea. (laughs) There you go. Dude, I've been wanting to use that line for a long time. I've been saving that up, you know, for our shows. Thanks for warning (laughs) me. I like it. Man, oh man, oh man. It's good to be back and uh, sitting next to you and talking to you and... We got a real special program today. Today's a little different, huh? Today is a little different. It's kind of a continuation, our our very
1: first episode. We kind of kicked off talking a little bit about us and a little bit about our background. Mm -hmm. But you know, I've been thinking about it since the beginning. And what people don't know, they've got a little taste of who we are and, and what we've talked about, Right. but they don't really know our background. And so for this episode, I hit you up and I would like to dive into your background a little bit further because, did you have one of the most amazing stories <laughs> I, I have ever uh-uh. heard. And as we mentioned before, we go way back. We right. met in, what year did we meet?
0: 1989,
1: 90. 89. Mm-hmm. So we're, what, 33 years yes. or so with yeah. it, that we've known each other and we've been working with each other. Yes. And in working with you, one of my favorite things is every day, and especially when we worked a few years ago, <laughs> But we, we would sit and every morning we had a little bit of time yeah. and we would catch up and you would just drop these nuggets of things that I didn't know. And I'm like, I didn't know you did that. I didn't know that. And then it's several years ago, if I first heard your entire life story right. when you gave a testimony. Right. Why don't you tell our audience a little bit about that? Because that's an amazing yeah. piece of work and it was a, it's a, just an amazing
0: story. And so how
1: did that come about?
0: How did the testimony come about? Yeah. Where
1: did you do that at?
0: Well, I've done it all over. I get calls all over. Uh, Different churches will call me to come and speak. I'll get radio shows that'll call me and come be part of their radio shows, done several of those. It's a story that kind of touches the hearts and minds of people all over, man, and all around. And somewhere within the confines of of my journey, I've I've been able to touch folks in different areas, you know? Yeah. And so you know the background. You've been with me on several occasions in some of these engagements. And um, it's something... In telling that testimonial, uh, that r- relieves me from all the heartache and all the pain that I experienced as a young person. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I was, uh, I was uh, an abandoned, tortured child.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, my father was military, yeah, and uh, I was literally tortured. Man, I mean, the beatings and all those type of things. Uh, yeah. uh, he could have never gotten away with in this day and time. You know, sure. But uh, back in those days, in the '60s or what have you, you know, it was open season on, <laughs> on, on youngsters, man. You know, because uh, I was beaten unmercifully. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, as a military kid, and that uh, we traveled all over the world
1: yeah so where i first heard this story and i guess the the interview that i'm alluding to was you were contacted by the was it the 700 club oh yes yes. Yes. so yeah. it was you did an interview with yes. the 700 club mm-hmm. and it was a special that they did yes indeed and they did was it an hour long interview they did with you? Uh, i think it's 30 minutes 30 minutes uh-huh but man when that aired i remember you saying oh check this out you know and mm. i thought okay this is gonna be fun you know and i Dude, you laid out your entire story, and I was like, holy yeah. cow, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what what, uh, what you had gone through, and then, obviously, I knew how far you had come. Because, right. you know. Well, you were part of that. You're Ron Roberson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, anyway, so, today, I just kind of wanted to touch upon some of that. Right. And bring our audience up to speed with, yes. with some of that. And so, dude, let's just dive in if you don't mind. And yeah. uh, if we touch on anything you don't want to talk about, you you just let me know. Mm-hmm. But um,
0: open book. Yeah, yeah.
1: that's what I. Like. That's what I appreciate about you. you. Yeah. You never pull any punches. No. I mean, you've been extremely honest with everything you've been through. And just to clarify it, from the beginning, dude, you are one of my greatest mentors. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that just because. Check is in the in, mail, in the Jeff. Room. Come on, man. <laughs> but really, on so many levels, friendship and then just spiritually, the example you've set, the advice mm-hmm. you've given over the years, you're a wealth of wisdom. And so, you know, so we're, if you don't mind, we'll just dive in and kind okay. of get into your story. So, dude, let's start way back in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> man, we can't go too far back, bro. Right Wait a minute. <laughs> so,
0: no, but where were you born and where did you first grow up? And I know this, but why don't you tell the audience? Right. So, uh, I was. Uh, I was born in Mobile, Alabama. Yep. Uh, a little place called Tomanville, right there in Mobile. Same uh-huh. place that uh, Henry Aaron was born there. Oh, oh same okay. Place. See, yeah, same place. There's a nugget I did
1: know right there. There's so. a little
0: bit of history. I was there. You, know. <laughs> you were there. Uh, so I was able to, 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 to function briefly mm-hmm. in the South. Yeah. And of course, I saw the racism and all that kind of stuff, the back of the bus and... I remember that as a kid, and so vividly. A lot of things I don't remember as a kid, but that I remember. Yeah. And uh, I remember my mom having to get up and, you know, and uh, give a white guy, you know, her seat and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And even as a kid, I thought something was wrong. You know, my, I, but I saw the fear in my mother's eyes. I remember the fear uh-huh. that I saw in her eyes, and so I, I grew up with that. But again, we were a military family, mm-hmm. so wherever my father went, we went. Right. Okay. And so my father traveled to Japan. You know, I spent three three years in Japan, um, Sasebo, Japan, yeah. uh, Germany, Kitsigen, Germany. I went to school in Kitsigen, Germany. My mother was my school teacher. She was a military professor, shall I say. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And she later went on to become a professor at Tuskegee Institute in Alabama. That's yes. amazing.
1: So you kind of skim over that. And that's, again, uh, something I appreciate about you mm. is there is no victimhood in you at all, no. I mean from the day I've met you, you never, you have this incredibly difficult background, but I have never heard you complain about it. Nope. I've never heard you be a victim. You always approach it with positive. But growing up in the segregated South, man, mm-hmm. and you touched upon it, that, yeah. And you touched upon that that had an effect on your family and on your dad,
0: mm-hmm. which they is done.
1: which is kind of what how it his anger came mm-hmm. out. But if you could touch upon that a little bit and just kind of the yeah. effect that growing up in,
0: in that kind of environment, what did yeah. it do to you guys? See, some things I didn't really understand until later on down the road as I matured, oh. I was able to understand some things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never understood my dad, why my dad was always so angry. Yeah, And what I found out later on in life is that he had went and fought in the Korean War, you know, neck and neck, and uh, I, he was even injured, uh, you know, in the war. Mm-hmm. And uh, rank was hard to come by for a black guy, you know, he couldn't get the rank that others would get, you know. But he kept going, kept going, and he became a master sergeant, you know, as high as he was going to go. Yeah, he was in the army for like thirty some years, and when he finally left the army, and after fighting in the war, when he came back to Alabama, he found out that he was still. A nigga, you know, if you will.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and that killed. That 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 caused him to drink. Yeah. You know, uh, he was a raging alcoholic. That caused him to lash out, and uh, to to and a lot of it he took out on me. Why I have no idea. Yeah. But my sisters were kind of spared. My mother went through with him, but um, me, for some reason, he just hated me, hmm. and beat me, man, beat me unmercifully, man. I mean switches that would crack would break my back open you know and then he put me in a tub of cold water and uh in the bathtub and i have to sit there and then he would wait for me and hold me up then he'd take me and plunge me down into the water and and hold me there man you Know and I'm doing all I could. That's why I can hold my breath for so long now, you know, because I had, I had practice, man. You know, I had practice and I learned how to hold my breath, man. Yeah. And just when he just when my lungs were about to burst, he'd bring me back up and ah, I remember gasping for air, you know, yeah. and then right back down again, you know. And so, those are some of the things I never knew what he was going to do. This is most of the time when he's drinking that this would happen, yeah. so I never knew what dad I was going to see. Sometimes it would be just as nice and cool and you know, loving, and then just. Just flip on you like that. So he had a disorder. Uh, he had that post-stress thing going on too, you know, that uh-huh. messed with him a little bit. And then the racism in the South and his inability to get ahead, always striving, trying to get ahead. So um, it, it was some tough times, man, very tough times. And yeah. um, I I knew that I, in order to survive and make it in life, that I couldn't live with that man. I couldn't live with him. I knew. Yeah, you were, you were telling me that you left home, you basically ran for your uh, life. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Man told me um, I was going to, uh, he'd gotten stationed at Fort MacArthur mm-hmm. in San Pedro. It used to be an Army base. Sure. I think it's Air Force now. And uh, I was going to Dotson uh, Junior High School, I think it was. And he told me, he said, if you've got one bad grade, don't don't bother coming back here. Well, that's all I needed to hear because I had several bad grades, yeah. you know. And he said, and, and I knew it was going to revol- uh, uh, result in me getting beaten. You know, and I couldn't take another beating because I hadn't recovered from the last one I got. You know, yeah. I still I used to go to school with webs on my back, man. My shirt used to stick to me, you know, because of all the wounds that I had. You know, it would stick to me. But that oh. man, you know, he it, do. It's crazy. And so uh, I said, well, okay, well, I, I ain't coming back here.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, so that night uh, when school was out, that night I went and hit out at the naval shipyard, and slept out there. Uh, the next morning I got up, and of course I was starving to death. You know, and couldn't find any food, so I went to the fire station to see if I can get, you know, I, I remember seeing a video that they, that they cook there, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they do more than put out fires, they yeah. put out this hunger, <laughs> and, and I went there, and, and sure enough, they recognized me as a runaway, now remember back in the 60s, if you were a runaway, that was an offense, They would they would put you in juvenile hall as a runaway.
1: Oh, interesting. Yes.
0: And so, and sure enough, when I went to fire station, they called the police, and the police came and picked me up, put me in juvenile hall, and uh, that's where I remained.
1: Wow. Now, you were extremely young. What, what age were yeah, you? Yeah, I
0: was um, 14, maybe. 14. Yeah, somewhere around 14, 13, 14. Yeah. Wow.
1: And so how long were you gone for?
0: In juvenile hall? Well, how long? When you left home. Okay, well, you- what happened was they put me in juvenile hall, and it was just like, you know, you don't do time, you yeah, know. Yeah. But when, when I was in juvenile hall, I discovered a whole new world. Uh-huh. You know, I was playing basketball. I was eating good, good food, man. And, yeah. you know, I had friends there and everything else. So when my parents came to get me, they had to release me. They couldn't hold me on. They, there was nothing to hold me on. And so when the parents um, uh, came to get me, I saw them. Um, I told them, no, I, I don't want to go. I'm, I'm staying here. Uh-huh. You know, I'm staying here. I don't want to come out. So I stayed, I stayed in juvenile hall. And eventually they sent me to Fred C. Nellis School for Boys out in Whittier and um, that's where I, they didn't know what to do with me. So I stayed there for almost a year. So you never went back home? I never went back home, no. After 14 you never? I never went, went back, back home. home. Wow. I was on my own from then. Well, so then at Fred C. Nellis they, had, they kicked me out of Fred C. Nellis. Uh-huh. You got to go man, you know. <laughs> we can't justify you being here. And they put me in the foster homes. Okay. So yeah. I traveled around the foster home circuit, seven foster homes that I wow. was in before I really found uh, one uh-huh. that, uh, that I could comfortably live in. Yeah. But man, they used to do all kinds of weird stuff, man, they would label stuff in the refrigerator, what I could eat and what I couldn't eat, yeah. you know, uh, while they were eating you know, uh, steak and lobsters and all that kind of stuff, I was eating malto meal you know, and oh. cornmeal mush. You ever heard of that, brother? <laughs> cornmeal mush <laughs> Wow. and grits. I would, that's the stuff that I would eat, you know. Yeah. And uh, i was just miserable, you know, had two sets of clothes to wear for a whole school year. You know, they were secondhand clothes. The state would give them, I, see I didn't know what I know now, yeah. but the state would give them money to clothe and house and feed me. Right. Well, this foster home, they would take me to like the secondhand store. Uh you know and get cheaper goods you know right and not only that but the lady had me stealing you know she said hey put this in your pocket Put hide this take this with you you know and so that was my upbringing the only only out that i had during those times i was miserable but the only out i had was school Uh you know and i went to school faithfully perfect attendance man now let's go back
1: just a little bit so Mm -hmm. while you're in the military you said you you lived around the world so you lived in japan you lived in so basically, that was post-war Japan. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What, what are your What are your memories about Dude. being, being abroad? Like you, you, you grew up in the segregated South. Right. Right. Terrible, terrible situation there. Yes. When you went to other countries, what was that like? Yeah. When, when you were
0: in other countries. Dude, great question. That's a That's the first time anybody's ever asked me that. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, when I got to Japan, Japan is the one that stands out most in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember Germany real well, a little bit in Germany and in France, and uh, we were in Hawaii for a while, but, but, but uh, Holland for a while as well. But it was Japan that had the biggest influence on me. And one of the first things that I saw when I went to Japan was we went to a place called Nagasaki. Mm-hmm. And there's a peace statue there in Nagasaki. And that peace statue deals mm-hmm. with the bombing where the, one of the bombs dropped. <laughs> sure. Yep, yep. Yeah. And there were people there and I'll never forget this as long as I live And I was a youngster, man. Now this I mean, would have been what year about? This was like 60, 59, 60, somewhere in there. Okay. 59, so 60. 54 I was in Japan, in Germany. 54.
1: So 15
0: years after the bomb dropped, right. basically. So it's right. still
1: relatively new. Absolutely.
0: So dude, I saw people who had radiation burns oh, on wow. them. Because I kept asking, what's I remember asking, what's wrong with what's wrong with his neck? And because it, it was all sores and stuff on his neck and stuff, said he's suffering from radiation burns. Wow! You know from the bomb. So I remember that. Uh, I also remember, uh, as a black person, what a celebrity I was in Japan. Oh! How they were fascinated by my hair and the color of my skin and all of that, and so they they treated us like celebrities. Yeah. While we were there, you know, and so um, I loved the culture. You know, the bowing, the respect for elders and all that kind of stuff. I remember that as a kid, man. Yeah. And that fascinated me about Japan, you know, and that's why I've gone back there a few times. What was the uh,
1: was the landscape still affected by the bomb at that point?
0: Or do you remember I don't remember. You don't I don't remember, that, remember the okay. landscape. Hmm. But I remember the feeling, like you say, even like 15 years afterwards, yeah. I could still feel, you know, the tension or I could feel... That something happened here. When I saw the peace statue, whatever I could tell, something happened here, and yeah. you know, and so it uh, it was it was mind blowing. Uh, I played baseball while I was there. I was on a baseball team. Uh, I had fun. I love I love Japan. Interesting. Yep. Interesting. Well, you still know a little Japanese. I've oh yeah, you, I've heard well, you
1: speak yeah. some Japanese from time to time. Bl- blown away. Nothing like hearing a brother speak Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've heard you pull that out, and people like Japanese people who, when you say it, because you usually say it to somebody speaking
0: their language, they give you this double take, like whoa, whoa, <laughs> yeah. Especially a negrito. Oh, that's Spanish, I'm sorry. (laughs) But especially a brother, man, you know, they go like, whoa, you know, people are fascinated when you take the time to learn what they know. And I learned that at an early age. That's why it was so hard for me to to hate any one race Uh because I had lived all over the country and I knew different people and different cultures and things. That's the problem with with what's going on today. Most kids never really get out of their neighborhoods, you know, and they don't know, they, they, they think that that's the world. Right. You know, but the world is vast, man, full of all kind of people and different things. And so Japan was the place that I fell in love with. And I still have a very special place in my heart, uh, you know, there. So, so it's interesting because
1: your, your experience here probably wasn't so good. But by right. traveling around the world mm-hmm. and, and probably to a certain extent, the schools and the discipline that you learned yes. uh, from the military mm-hmm. benefited you later in life, I yes. would imagine. Yes. So, oh, Interesting. Okay, yep. um, okay. So let's move. You know, let's let's move beyond that. Um, so let's go back to. You know, you're you're in the foster system, right? You you went through a rough patch. You uh, you <laughs> and so you and, and, and and you're you're almost uh, to me. Your your story is kind of like um, you're like a Black Forest Gump. <laughs> 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 because dude, you have <laughs> you have pulled out stories that I'm Ooh. like what <laughs> you, you during that time you
0: you so is that the, the you know <laughs> life is like a box of chocolate that you fair is that what the reference well, that is that would brother? make me like
1: the white bubba oh, Okay, <laughs> so, so, but, but no so why don't we go into some of the you know you ended up getting in trouble yes. right and so what what happened I mean you're you're in the foster system there's a lot of outside influences for mm-hmm. a, a young man mm-hmm. that uh, you know is kind of trying to find his way. What right. you, What are some of the brushes with? Um, this is a history podcast, so let's talk about some of the historical uh, brushes with uh, different influences that you had throughout the years.
0: History, indeed, man. Because a lot of these organizations, it was just the, the 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 birth of them. They were just coming up, yeah. And I was in a quest to try to find a place to belong. I didn't belong in the foster system. Didn't belong in jail don't know where my parents are by now my parents have gone they've moved on right. and so I'm just alone man i, I I'm, I'm I've got school and uh, but when I turned 18 in the foster system back then dude you're out they kick you out you, you they don't they don't give you anything extra they don't give you any housing or anything so luckily I was working at McDonald's you know, thank God for for Mickey D's, huh? <laughs> it's cuz they saved my life, man. And so what I would do? I had no place to go, nothing to do. So I just worked like overtime all the time. You know, I was always there. And that's how I made my money, got me a little apartment, a little one room apartment, and I did that for a But anyway, in that quest, I had housing and I had food, but there was still something missing in me. Uh-huh. I had no family, uh, no love, no instruction. You know, nobody told me, you know, that Dude, if you if, you, if you own your own house, that's powerful. You know that's power. Yeah. You know uh, that's cloud. I, I didn't I didn't understand that. You know nobody told me that. I didn't. Th- I thought that was beyond me, and so I started going out trying to find different ways to belong. So I figured I'd start off with the black thing first, since mm-hmm. I'm obviously black. <laughs> you know that'd be a good place to start. Where are you living at this point? At this I was living in I was living in Los Angeles, over on Adams Boulevard, Adams and Crenshaw okay. in that area. Okay. And um, back in the day, that was kind of like a, a hip spot, a little further up, they had a place called The Jungle. Uh, right now it's, it's drug-ridden and everything else the last yeah. time I, but The Jungle, once you made enough money, you know, you could move into The Jungle, man, that was like, you know, very affluent. But uh, I was living on the outskirts of that, and um, um, I decided that I would just try to hook up with organizations, Now I've always been a churchy kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, I was Catholic for a while, I was an altar boy for a while and all of that. Uh, and nobody told me to go, I went on my own. So I always had religion, but religion just didn't really have me. Uh-huh. And so I started getting into other things, of course it was the 60s, so as part of the black power movement or what have you, and I saw folks that looked like me, so I said, well let me join. So I joined the Muslims. I joined the, the, um, um, the, 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 the Muslims, uh, the so-called Honorable Elijah Muhammad. The black and, uh, Muslims. Yeah, the black Muslims, yeah. Gotcha. And uh, they gave me a new name, new name was uh, Brother Ronald 14X. Seriously? Yes. I don't know who the other 13 were, but <laughs> I was 14. 14X. Brother Ronald 14X was my name. <laughs> okay. And what I liked about them, uh-huh. it was not so much their message, because I didn't really understand the message, but those guys were always in suits. Yeah. You know, and they looked really sharp. Had the bow ties. Yeah. yeah.
1: And the, they had Bean the fez. guys. Fez,
0: too. Some didn't have fezes, fez? yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Kofi or Koofy. Or Kofi, yeah. 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 And, uh, dude... I liked what they were doing, and so then I'd go listening to to the preaching, and the teaching was all right, but I had a problem, man. I knew too much about life abroad, you know, and when you start talking about the white man being the blue-eyed devil and all that kind of stuff, man, I just couldn't get with the language, you know, and then uh, one one day I was uh, up on Western, I was on Western and, um, not Manchester, Western and Imperial, there used to be a theater there called the Rio Theater, and I was standing out in front of the Rio Theater in my bow tie. <laughs> in my bow tie, and I was all sharp. You had the suit and everything. Well, yeah. And then women loved it, man, because they were sharp. And that was me. I felt like I was somebody. Yeah. And, man, um, the sheriff's department pulls up. And back in those days, the sheriff's rode four in a car.
1: Oh, yeah. And they had
0: helmets on. Because uh-huh. remember the 65 riots and all that right. kind of stuff? Sure. And they wore helmets. And they rolled up on me and all four doors opened. That's the last thing I remember. <laughs> they beat the cowboy snut out of me, man. Really? Oh, gosh, yeah, man. My, my papers are all flying all around the street, bean pies rolling all down the street. They kicked me, they beat me up pretty good. Threw me in the car and took me and put me in jail. And so they got me for soliciting or something, something. something. Oh, so I gosh. called up one of the ministers. I said, look, bro. I said, they got me in jail. You know, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I've got a phobia. I can't be in locked up places. Yeah. I said, I'm kind of scared in here a little bit because they're looking at me funny. And there's some dude over there named Bruce that wants to slow <laughs> dance with me. You know, uh, uh, come get me out. He says, man, we don't have a budget for that, man. He says, do it for the nation. The nation will appreciate it. Just stay in there. Do your time for the nation. And I said, "Boy, I bet you when I get out of here, I never yeah. go back to you guys again." You know, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. You know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow. So, wow. So I got as soon as I got out of jail, I, I left the Muslims and I joined up with uh, the Black Panther Party. So with the Muslims, you how do you do that? How do you just go from one to the other? Like how? how where'd you find them? How does How does that happen? Well, again. Uh, Television was, was one of the things, because I would always see the Black Panthers on television. Uh-huh. But the Black Panthers you saw on television wasn't really the work that the Black Panthers were doing. You saw them with the shotguns right. and, 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 and the bullets strung across their chest and all that kind of stuff. But there was another facet to the Black Panthers. The Black Panthers had an educational program going on. Yes, They had food services where they were feeding, that kind of stuff. Yes. So I was part of the Compton chapter, and they were located on Stockwell and Orambe okay. in Compton. And they had a building there. And so there, they gave out the free lunches and breakfasts. So I was involved in that kind of part, part of it. Right. I wasn't one of the 12-gauge carriers. That,
1: that was, you know, I saw a documentary on the Black Panthers, mm. and it, it seemed like, you know, uh, like you said, the militant side that they ended up, that ended up becoming well-known. Yes. It wasn't really how it kind of started. It, it started... And maybe they were just trying to get the community's favor. But mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, they had food programs, they mm-hmm. had they they did a lot of community work. Yes. And community yes. outreach. Yes. But politically mm-hmm. they start they started becoming more and more militant and, and, and whatnot. But mm-hmm. you're so so what was your experience with the Black Panthers like?
0: Well the Black Panthers was a little different. Again, I, I, I wasn't with them long, but I was with them for a moment, yeah. helping out there. And then one day I guess it is what you don't see that you have to be worried about, uh-huh. because what you did see was feeding programs and all that kind of stuff. But down in the basement, <laughs> they had, <laughs> they had guns and all kinds of stuff down yeah. there, man. You know, yeah. and I'm going like, oh shoot! And so then one of the guys comes to me and he goes, hey, he says, how would you uh, uh, you want to do something for us? We need somebody to watch guard while we move all these arms out of here because there's gonna be a raid and they're gonna raid this place. Oh, and we gotta get all this stuff out of here. And it's gonna be like two o'clock in the morning. Uh-huh. We need you down here. Yeah. So I figured I'd be with they give me a twelve gauge and I'd just be watching, you know. Yeah. But they put me up in a tree. Oh. And wow. they said, we want you to be able to look out. And from this tree I could look out and I could see all the entryways that the cops would come if they were coming, right? <laughs> and so the guy to show you how gullible I was and just willingness to wanna to belong. You know, to somebody or something, yeah. uh, I, I didn't think about it. And so I'm sitting up there in the tree, man, with a 12-gauge. <laughs> about 2.30 in the morning. And then I looked over and I saw, you know how the, how the dew hits you and it gets kind of wet? <laughs> yeah. And so I look over and there's a bird. It was a bird in the tree. And so I looked over at the bird and the bird is looking at me like, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be here, but what the heck are you doing here? <laughs> and, and then I started thinking, I said, what am I doing here? So they said, if you see the police, when they get here, we need you to fire a warning shot up in the air. Oh, jeez. So I said, okay, I got you, bro. I got you, bro. I got you, homie. You know? And, I, and so I'm sitting I said, you know what? If I fire the warning shot, there won't be a leaf left on this tree. No. This I'm a sacrifice. You were, and I said, "Well, I'm not ready to be sacrificed." But then I climbed up out of that tree, man, and <laughs> and, uh, and 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 disappeared from there. They looked for me for a long time. They, I think they, were gonna, they, they had it out for me for a moment, man. Well, you were the new guy, and that, obviously they uh, they exactly. didn't val- they
1: didn't value you. And yeah. uh, you know, I, I I heard somebody a few years ago kind of talking up the Black Panthers and mm-hmm. you know how, how great they were and everything. But I remembered that story that you told, mm-hmm. and that uh, you know, and I just thought how wrong. That could have gone right. Had had had, had they even seen you in the, that tree? Sure. With, when with a shotgun, a black man with a twelve gauge at two thirty in the morning in a tree? Oh, geez. you're dead. Yeah. In
0: 1960, in the, with the heat, yeah. the heat of conflict, man, <laughs> the watch riots and everything else, you know. Holy moly! Isn't that something? Wow. Yeah. Well, and I have to mention one of my
1: favorite all-time pictures of you. you oh no, because because early no.
0: on, you were don't, don't go there, man. <laughs> Don't go there.
1: Earlier on, you're telling me, you know, about this Black Panther experience, and you say, yeah, man, I, and I'm, you know, and here's the thing. I'm like, okay, halfway going, yeah, did this really happy. And, yeah. And, dude, you produced a picture. You pulled the picture out, and you're sitting on the on a bed. Yeah. You're probably 20 years old. Uh-huh. You got a shotgun, yeah. and you're holding the shotgun. You're looking all bad. Yeah. But then I looked closely, and I go, dude, what's that on the bed? And next to you, there was, there's a mad magazine. Mad magazine, right. <laughs>
0: What me worry? <laughs> yeah, yep.
1: so, dude. I and
0: just oh, knowing. Dude, dude, you. Dude, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, I had a black cat. Yeah, there's a black cat in that picture. You Didn't see the black cat sitting right oh, next to me. That's right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Dude, that there's a lot going on in that picture, you know. But here you the you are story. with, with, with the, the, you know, the, the mean-looking face and the and the shotgun. Right. <laughs> it's like this isn't adding up, you know.
0: But when I saw the when I saw the Mad Magazine and the Black Cat, I'm like, "There's the Rod I know and love." See? Yeah, you know? so, it know? is. Yeah. So, so yeah. again, just trying to belong, man. You, usually, when people join up with organizations and churches and that kind of stuff, it's the firstest with the mostest. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? People will yeah. join up to anything, and that's what I did. I I was looking. I was searching. To belong to something man because i had nothing yeah you know no 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 real genealogy i had no spot no place i, I was just drifting man i yeah. just merely existed
1: and just to move along and your your, your story got even darker after that yeah. if you want to talk about it a little bit you ended up hitting rock bottom eventually but maybe yeah if you want to if you want to share kind of how you got when you finally hit rock bottom and then yeah. we'll start Start your journey upward, which is equally as amazing.
0: <laughs> it's a short, short version of it. But but remember, after I left the Black Panther Party, um, and, and I, I went to a, to another organization called US, the oh, US organization. I'm not familiar with that yeah, one. Yeah, they had a motto called, wherever you, you are, US is. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: what was their philosophy? Just what black their... nationalists.
0: They were black nationalists, oh, okay. man. And they, they were about the African experience. So I grew <laughs> me a big old Afro. <laughs> And I got me a dashiki. Really? Yeah, man. And I learned some words that I thought were Swahili, but come to find out, it was just a bunch of yab, jib, jib, <laughs> babble. What? And
1: so what was their involvement uh, in
0: the community? I mean, they did they something like the same thing. Yeah. Uh, they changed my name on that one, too. My name was King Na'u Jehudi.
1: <laughs> Which means?
0: Well, I found out for some Nigerian people by accident Cause I was all proud and said my chest yeah. all out, and I walked up to a Nigerian the guy. Says, "Yes, thank you. My name is Gignahu Jehudi. and the guy looked at me and goes like, mm, what? <laughs> he says, "Are you sure?" I said, "Yeah." Say it again, and so I said it. and I kind of broke it down into syllables, Jahuti, uh-huh. you know. And he says, "Man," he says, loosely translated, that means the cattle are dying. <laughs> <laughs> So again, man, we take on names and titles that we don't even have a clue, man. That's why anytime I have a t shirt on that has some foreign writing on it, I need to get an interpretation. <laughs>
1: Out of the mouths of two or three before. witnesses,
0: you know. <laughs> and so I left them. I knew they weren't about anything. Plus, I heard they had some people they, they were torturing down in the basement as well. And I don't want to get into any names because now that my story has gone out there, there's some people that are questioning me about some things. Yeah. And I don't need anybody coming at me at 74 years old, you know, <laughs> yeah. and want to bump me off. I've, I've survived all of that, not just to die now, you know. Uh, but wow. um, so I left them and I got tired of that. I said, nah, nah, I, I actually got tired of being black. You know, so I said, "Let." that was a joke, bro. <laughs> you laughed at everything but that. <laughs> I got tired of being black, so I said, well, let me switch it. So I got into Nissan Soshu, uh, chanting to the gahansen nam mya kyo I did all of that. My, my I have lead, no idea what that is. What dude, is it's that? like Nissan Soshu. You get the, the the Buddha, the Buddha belly, and you rub his belly with incense. and So you went on a religious uh, kind of a quest. Yeah, that was okay. my next move. Okay. I tried everything else on that end that wasn't uh-huh. working. Yeah. So... Uh, my 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 leader, it was out in Santa Monica, and my leader was Patrick Duffy. that the, played in Dallas. The, the guy in Dallas. Yeah, he was our leader. <laughs> he was, what was
1: he? Was the fish guy? What was he? He was a man from Atlantis. Man, <laughs> man from
0: Yeah, that was a weird program, man. That was weird. Did he have gills and? <laughs> but I was blown away and said, "Well, dang! If it's working for him, it'll work for me." Yeah. Man, I rubbed all the paint off of Buddha's belly, man. <laughs> <laughs> and he just sat there and just grinned at me, you know. And I'm hungry, and the and the oranges and the apples are rotting right there on the on the altar, yeah. you know. The I was like, I could have ate that apple. You know, I'm hungry, <laughs> man. They received nothing, nothing. Yeah. So I went on to synchronized breathing, transcendental meditation. Uh I went into all that kind of eastern stuff, man, and middle eastern stuff, and uh, none of it none of it uh, did me any good. And so, uh I. That, that, those were, that was the gateway to lead into the drugs. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. so um, I'd always, I'd, I'd smoke marijuana here and there, but I never was a drinker because I saw what it did to my father. So yeah. And you know me now, you've never seen me take a strong drink. No, no, you uh, You know me 30 years. Yeah. Um, and so I, I started, again, trying, trying to find me. So I, I felt like when I smoked weed, that it was like a getaway.
1: Uh-huh.
0: You know, I, I, I didn't have to deal with so many things in my mind. There was constant battles going on in my head, man. Yeah. You know, and I, 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 and I learned how to take those demons and put them in another place, somewhere. But sometimes, someplace, somewhere, when I least expected it, those things would rise up again. Right. It would rise up for no reason, and you know, and whoever was in front of me got it. You know. Yeah. That's why I never had good relationships with women. You know, I would only let them go so far because all, all I've known in relationship was hurt and disappointment. You know, and yeah. desertion and pain. You know, and so I would never let anybody get close to me because I didn't want to be vulnerable to anybody. Right. You know, so I'd always go so far, and then when you started getting close, then I would cut you loose. You know, mm. these were girls, mm. and so um, I um, started smoking weed. And I'll never forget, man. One day I was at this party, and um, and I, dude, I smoked weed like almost every day for for two years. You know, nonstop. I was yeah. a dispatcher for. For, for May Company. I was gonna
1: say you were working at this. Yeah, yeah. I was I,
0: I was working and was I was employee I was employee of the year twice and I was buzzed out of my mind. <laughs> they said, "Boy, that Ron's a real happy fellow, isn't he?" You, man, I was I was toast, man. But I could do my job. I, I was a functioning, you know, uh, drug addict, man. Yeah. Uh, if you want to call weed drugs, I don't really call it a drug now, but whatever. Um, but I, I was a dispatcher and I used to maintain everything. Everybody liked me, man. You know. Um, and so that's where I chose to stay. I didn't want anything any stronger than that. Uh, people offered me LSD and shrooms, because and, it was really big back in those times. You're probably into the 7, 1970s Yes, now, going right? into the yeah, 70s, yeah. yes. And so it was prevalent. It was all there. Even cocaine was there, but it was powdered form, but very expensive. Yeah. You know, so a poor guy like me couldn't afford cocaine, and I just had no interest. And uh, one day I was at a party, (laughs) and as you can imagine, there's always a girl involved. And this girl was fine, man. I mean, she was fine as frog's hair. Have you you ever seen frog's hair? No. That's how fine she was. (laughs) That rare. (laughs) I mean, and she was looking at me, man. And so Mm. I said, well, how are you doing? She says, "Um, do you get high? And I said, yeah. I said, I got a doobie in the car. She said, let's go to your car. She went out to the car. And um, she said, you know, she said, I, we smoked a little weed and just talked. She said, you know, if I had a rock, and I would heard about the rock, but it never was my thing. Yeah. She said, but if I had a rock, she said, I'd be all over you right now. I said, well, where can we get one? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say, no, don't do drugs. I said, no, let's get a rock. <laughs> and so she, we rode. We, i never forget, we went down on Hoover Street. Hoover uh-huh. and, and uh, oh, Hoover Street, downtown by Alvarado. Okay. down in that area, Alvarado, downtown Los Angeles, real yeah. close to downtown Los Angeles. And um, she picked up a rock right there on the street. She knew right where to go, went back um, to my place. And I wasn't going to do it. I was going to let her do it because I didn't, you know, I was fine. Yeah. I, I, I I, just seen her, heard too many crazy stories. Right. And so she sat there, man, and so she started crackling that pipe. She hit it, and I saw her lapsed into, like, ecstasy, man. And so I said, well, okay, this would be a good idea for me, a good time for me to get up and... Go, you know, shower up—not shower, but you know, clean up a little bit, yeah, and yeah. some gargle some Listerine because I'm I'm about to get down tonight. <laughs> this, this is my time. And dude, I went in there and I came back, and she was still sitting, and she's laid all out. And so when I sat down next to her, she came to me to kiss me. And when she kissed me, she blew smoke into my mouth, man. Oh wow! And I later found out that's called shotgunning. Shotgunning, really? When somebody else takes 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 it in, uh-huh. and then they blow it into somebody else's mouth. And that's what she did. And the minute that stuff hit me, man, life as I knew it was completely over.
1: Wow. That was it.
0: Wow. One, one hit. And it almost killed me. Right. One hit. You hear these stories. That, that, and, you, and you,
1: It's hard to imagine. I mean, you think, really? Just one time? One really? time. That's all it takes. One of
0: the most potent, addictive drugs you ever want to come across. I hope you never have to experience that. What was the feeling? Uh, ecstasy. Uh, uh, immediately, I don't know how how deep we can get in this, but immediately I was sexually aroused. Immediately, huh. and then 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 the ecstasy, just oh I mean, oh. does that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> just like angels saying. Yeah, just well, like... dude, I would hear voices. Oh wow, I hear like tons of people talking and all like that. It's almost like you summon up a bunch of demons or something. They're all talking in your head, wow. you know. And I'm all laid out, and then the sexual end of it would last for about mm, maybe 1 minute, a minute and a half if you're lucky. And then all of a sudden you got to do it again. You have that desire. Yeah, you got to get yeah. back up to that high again. Yeah. And what you do is you end up chasing that same original high that you got right. and never get there. Wow. You never get there again. Wow. You know. And so I spent all my money kept going back to the to, to the ATM I spent all my money in two days with this girl until I was broke. And when, I, when the money ran out, she was gone. <laughs> she ran out. She was gone. <laughs> wow. And now I'm sitting there, man, uh, you know, a crack addict now, you know. And eventually I had sold everything in my house for furniture for crack. Yeah. Um, my job, I pretty much stopped going. I just, man, I was working for a Fortune 500 company, man. And I just stopped going. Wow. And there I was in the apartment, man, in the empty apartment. Everything was, I had sold everything. Uh, I was evicted. I was just waiting for them to knock on the door and put me out, you know. And I sat there, man and dude. I was I, I used to, I was I was so bad. I had lost so much weight, and I was so pitiful that I would shake. And then they had the shag carpeting, and so I would spend hours combing the carpet, you know, trying to just find been, some rocks. Wow. Yeah, they may have fallen down, and so I smoked anything that looked like. uh, macadamia nuts, uh, carpet fresh, Ajax. (laughs) Anything
1: you can get your hands on. Man.
0: Well, dude, I remember hearing your story.
1: So and the first, I had known you for quite some time. Yes. Probably a decade. Yes. When I finally saw the 700 Club story. And you ended up on Skid Row. I did not know that about you. Yes, sir. But what was, and and then that, you finally, tell the story when you finally hit rock bottom.
0: Well, I hit rock bottom. Uh, Eventually, uh, after that ended, um, I had no other choice. I don't know why I ended up going downtown, I have no idea, but there's no place else to go. Now, I knew people, Mm -hmm. but I was so embarrassed and so paranoid by this time that I didn't trust anybody or anything. So I ended up on Skid Row, I guess to be a little closer to the drugs, Uh you know, and uh, the only thing I had saved was a bus pass. I had a bus pass uh, that was going to last me for the rest of that month. And so that's how I slept. I would sleep on, the, the, the bus was the number 20, and it went from downtown Los Angeles all the way out to Santa Monica Beach. And then it has a layover for about ten minutes or so, 15, 20 minutes. Then it goes all the way back. Oh wow! And that's how I slept. That's wow. how I was able to sleep. I couldn't sleep out in the open. And then I learned about getting vouchers and stuff uh, to stand these little flea bag. Horrible hotels, man. They were filthy. The, you know the Cecil. Oh yeah, the, the Cecil. Cecil Hotel, man. Yeah, the oh. Frontier, the Roslyn. Yeah, man. I stayed all in those all infamous places, down dude, there. dude. Holy moly! Dude, the day I checked into the Weingart Hotel, uh-huh. they had a little chalk outline, man, of where somebody, I guess, it was there before it died. Wow. You know, and I'm going like, wow. it wasn't a chalk outline. It was like marker. They had markers where the body was. You know. <laughs> wow. and I'm going okay, and then you know they got these big old. Industrial roaches and rats, <laughs> dude. I used to get dressed up to go to bed. I had a jacket, man. I put the jacket up over my ears and a beanie on, and I—that's—that's I, that's how I went to bed. I was miserable, man. Miserable. Wow. You wow. go down to the county and they treat you terrible, man. They yeah. act like they're giving you their money, right? You know, right. and so they, yeah. You look able-bodied. You should be. You should be able to work. I said, well, give me a job. I'll go work. You know, yeah, who's going to hire you
1: looking like that in that condition? <laughs> oh, so, dude, dude you—I mean, to me, the most the saddest part about your story and when, you know, because knowing you and knowing I didn't know you ever <laughs> like that, but right. you ended up on the ledge. Yeah. You, you ended up on a ledge and it's a sad but miraculous yes. moment that you have yes. told. What, if, if you don't mind sharing Dude, that.
0: Dude, uh, I had gotten to the wit's end. Um, I, no, nobody's coming to rescue me. Yeah. I might as well get that out of my mind. Nobody knows where I am. Nobody cares. You know, I'm here by myself now. Got nothing left. I got no money left. I have no vouchers left. I'm all out of food stamps. Well, my food stamps I learned, I learned how to go down to the county and get food stamps and turn it into cash. Uh-huh. So, in other words, I, I give you $100 worth of food stamps, you know, and you give me $50. Right. You know, in cash. Yeah. And that's how I bought drugs, you know. But when all that ran out, in other words, I'd run out of this and, and, and that stuff. And um, I said, you know what, I'm tired, man. I looked in the mirror and I didn't even recognize me eyes were all sunk back into my head, yeah. my teeth were all brittle, man, and I had burn marks on my lips and all on my fingers for the I'd been touching that hot pipe. Dude, it was a wonder I didn't kill myself just in smoking crack. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of times I, I would buy it and it was already pre-packaged and all that kind of stuff, but there was times I learned how to cook it. You know. But sometimes that drug, you want something instant. So I started cutting it with ammonia.
1: Holy moly!
0: I should have died, man. And so, yeah. and then when 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 you when you start stirring it, uh, whatever you're using, like a paper clip or something, the 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 rocking stuff goes on the paper clip, and you take it. and You're supposed to dry it out. Sometimes I couldn't even wait for it to dry out. Wow! I taken and stuck it in the pipe and smoked it, and I could tell the difference too. You know. So I was miserable, man. I, I was dying. I, I was really dying. Yeah. I was dying. Yeah. Matter of fact, that's what Skid Row is all about, man. It's almost like the, the elephant burial grounds, if you will. When an elephant knows that they're getting ready to die, they know. They go to that place. Mm-hmm. And that's where I was. I went there to die. Wow. And so um, I don't know if you know anything about downtown Los Angeles, but there's two hotels, the Roslyn and the um, uh, Frontier. Yes. And they face each other. They mirror each other. Almost the same building. And then there's Fifth Street in between. And I got up in the window and I said, you know what, I said, the easiest way out would be just to close my eyes and just fall, just fall, yeah. and it'll all be over, you ain't gonna worry about nothing. You know. You, you. And so while, so while I was in the window getting ready to jump, across the way at the Roslyn, the same hotel that kind of, you know, same windows and everything, yeah. there were people there that saw me and they were edging me on, jump fool. Jump, jump! Oh, they were all in the jump, jump, jump. You know, and dude, my knees were bent. I was getting ready to launch out, you know, uh, onto the concrete. And uh, while I was there, man, uh, now I'm not trying to get religious on anybody here. You know, I'm not trying to sell you any pamphlets. You know, you ain't got to come to no meeting after this. This is not what the hook is. But I actually had a religious experience. Yeah. You know, and while I was up there, brother, I have no reason to lie to you. I heard a voice that said, you've tried everything, why not try me? First my life started spinning in front of me. you know. Mm -hmm. And after that I could could just see my life going, all my life, and then I heard the voice. Now I heard a lot of voices when I was smoking crack, a whole lot of voices. They they were all confusing and talking. But this voice spoke to me in a small, still way and said, you've tried everything, why not try me? Now, I don't know what works for, the, for our listening audience. That's all on you guys. You can call it what you want Baptist, Presbyterian, Catholic. I, I, this is not about <laughs> religious and denominations. Yeah. This is about a life that needed to be saved. And when I saw that man, tears in my eyes, my knees bent, I jumped. You yeah. jumped? Yes. You jumped where? I jumped back <laughs> and yeah. fell on my knees. Wow. And I didn't even know what to pray, I man. I just, I just, I got on my knees. And I said, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord. Must. I, didn't, I didn't know what to say. Yeah. You know, yeah. and dude, that, that very next day. Now see, y'all can fight over religion all you want to. Yeah. You can talk about how wide mm-hmm. the Jordan River is and how deep it is and where it flows. No, I don't care about all that stuff. All I know is that it worked for me at my darkest moment. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? So you can't take that from me. So I don't care what you believe or whether you believe me or not. I know because this has been my experience. Right. And as I, and as I begin to read up about, you know, Christian values and all that kind of stuff, not denominations, not over religious, but just learning what the word of God says about living and what have you, you know, take all the labels off of it and read the pure word. And that's what I did. And man, immediately I got a job at an agency working at May Company, um, uh, my job was to stack mattresses. After, after, after you, you know, bought you a new mattress right. and they got rid of the old ones. Yeah. Well, I was down in the basement at 105 degrees, and my job was to match them up—queen size, king size, you know. And uh, my job was to stack those nasty, filthy mattresses, <laughs> man. What are you guys doing those things, man? Yeah. My God! And that was my job. Yeah. And the people fell in love with my worth ethic. Yeah. They said, oh, holy smoke, this guy's a worker. So when they laid off their normal employees, remember, I was a casual worker. Right. They hired me when they were laying off people. They hired me. And that's when I knew God was in the mix. So y'all call it what you want, you know, uh, higher power, you know, whatever. Um, but God had me shine and stand out. Yeah. And eventually I moved my way on up, man. And before, before long, I was full-blown May Company, man.
1: Well, and, and you know, you talk about that, that experience with, with God. Yes. And uh, you went on to become a pastor. I didn't know your story when I met you. Right. But the example that you've always shown that I've seen. Right. I mean, like you talk about your work ethic, your faith. The way you live, I mean, you've truly been an example. And that's why I say you're my spiritual mentor because (laughs) we've had deep, deep conversations about it. Big time. What an amazing, you know, God went on to do amazing things Mm -hmm. with your life from that point forward. Mm -hmm. And you've been such an influence on so many people. Mm -hmm. I mean, so let's fast forward to you worked your way up. One day you walk into the cable studio. That's when I met you. And uh, and that's where our story starts. Yep. And so yep. uh, how how did you come to that? I mean, um, how'd you find us?
0: I'll never forget. Let me tell you the truth of what I was really doing. Yeah. I was watching scrambled porn. Uh, <laughs> on, <laughs>
1: okay. I wasn't expecting that.
0: On, on HBO. Remember okay. That?
1: Yeah, yeah. Where you uh, the, Not HBO. The, the screen was on like... TV. On TV. On TV. Yeah.
0: You had the line down the middle and it was, yeah. was transferred. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, <laughs> and I flipped the channel, and there was <laughs> Continental Cables, oh. advertisement was there where they, all the Continental Cable programming was, uh-huh. you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, oh, that's interesting. And then the slide came up and said, produce, learn how to produce your own program, television right. program. Right. So I go, hmm, that's interesting. And I had no idea. I had no prior training to... Uh, that or yeah, no, you know? I, I said, "Oh, learn how to produce." And then I guess the operative word there was free. It was right. free. It was free workshop. And I it? said, yeah. "Well, let me go check this out." And dude, I walked in that door, and I don't know, Jeff. I don't know if you've ever experienced it, but if you've walked into a place and realized that you're in the right place at the right time yeah. doing the right thing, yeah. you just know you're in the right place. Right. And then I saw you and John Claude Felter. Uh-huh. I'll never forget you guys. You guys, you guys look like big time producers, man. I didn't know. I didn't know you were just normal people. I was a kid, man. You were, but you always had that knowledge, though. You, you've always been a few steps ahead of me when it comes to production and stuff, man. You know things, and I, I admire your eye of, of things. You taught me. You, you literally trained me. And so I, when I walked in there, and I saw John, Fle- John Clark. Young had the John Clarkfather always had the look. He looked like, you know, one of the big time producers of yeah, stuff. Yeah, he did. He, he had that look. And so I went <laughs> in and said, God, I could do this. And then I started meeting some of the other people that were there for the yeah. workshop. Ed Robinson, remember oh, yeah, him? yeah, yeah. They went on to be a big wig at uh, Edison. Edison, yeah. Yeah. So they, these were, and just so
1: the the audience knows, yes. they, I worked for a cable company at the time. And part of the deal that the cable companies had with the cities that they served was mm-hmm. for in order to be in their town, you had to teach free workshops. Yes. And in the early days of cable, cable was there to be accessible to the people to right. give them a voice so mm-hmm. that they could produce their own TV shows and get on the air. And so that's just a little bit, bit of background yes. of what I was doing there. So I was a kid. I was... I had only been working there I think a year and they, you know the nobody liked to teach the workshops they were boring they <laughs> yeah. were you know and so they were I was the new guy so they're like you go teach the workshops right. so that's why I was there but I totally remember you walking in the door mm-hmm. and uh, right away I remember because it, at every workshop you'd have maybe 10 people or something right. like that right. most people were there just they'd listen and then they'd mm-hmm. go on you'd never see them again right. but you kept coming back mm-hmm. and I volunteered yeah dude and and you you really wanted to learn you mm-hmm. were eager to learn you, you learned quickly, mm-hmm. and you were good. Yep. And then, I, I remember we threw you in front of the camera one yep. time. That yep. what was the first show that we threw you in front of the camera?
0: Ooh. Um, it had com- community, community... Journal? Journal. Community, community Journal. Community
1: Journal, yeah. Community Journal. It was journal. a public I a, access show that yeah. we did.
0: Yeah. But it was done very well, though, in its time. It was. you know was. Wasn't, wasn't that where we talked about Rich Lambrose and them? Yeah, uh, yeah. They, they, the they headed that up, you yeah. know, so I did a segment for them. But,
1: dude, you sat in, and you were a complete natural. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember, I remember you hosted a show. I think somebody didn't show up and we're like, Ron, right. how about Ron? Let's right. let's throw Ron in there. You had been right. willing to do anything yep. we asked you to do. Yep. And so we said, let's have, let's see how he does. Mm-hmm. You sat there, dude, you nailed the interview. We're like, oh, he's not our <laughs> new host. And so that's kind of how we started. Yep. But, but dude, that was the beginning of, right. we've known each other 33 years now mm-hmm. and went on to work for several cable companies right. that, that several kept, you know, <laughs> <laughs> over the years. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, dude, so you, as you say, you went from what's, what's your slogan? You, I keep oh. telling you, you got to write a book.
0: You got to write a book. And what's yeah. the title of the book going to be? Uh, from the Crack House to the White House.
1: <laughs> and that's right. One and Man's
0: Journey. That's right. From the streets of Skid Row to, to the White
1: House. And to... that White House, the, the reason you call it that is because one of the interviews you did, you mm-hmm. actually, the company you, was so happy with yeah. what you were doing, they sent you to the White House. Mm-hmm. And you interviewed who'd you interview? At Al Gore. Time. Al Gore when uh, he was vice president. When He was vice right? president. That's yeah. right. Yeah, that's right. And and
0: you talking about sending. So even though we did CNN headline news, the local edition. Yep. There were like three spots that I did that went national. Yeah. The one with Arnold Schwarzenegger and I, I didn't really do that whole thing, but I helped produce behind the scenes yeah. and I did interviews with uh, Body by Jake guy and sure um, uh, uh, Bill Clinton. Uh, but I didn't get the exclusive of Clinton, but I but I got you know in the crowd type yeah. thing, and so uh, yeah. You but know, dude,
1: over the years, you've you've interviewed some big
0: names. I mean, let's let's go through some of the just some of the names that you've interviewed. Well, wait a minute. What, what I think would really be good for your listening audience is uh-huh. how I got to CNN headline news, the local edition. Yes. Uh, because remember, I had I made it a point to to, to learn everything.
1: Yeah. I and, learned and, how to write, and this was a a segment that was inserted on CNN News. Yes. In in all of Southern California. Yes. But, but if the stories were good enough, they went they national. Went national. And yeah. so you actually ended up hosting. You you were a regular host of that yes, show for absolutely. years. For did, years, didn't that didn't that get an Emmy nomination? It did. You got it an did. Emmy nomination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was
0: my third one.
1: Yeah, but how uh, did you get that show? So we... well,
0: I, I I was working uh, just as I was doing camera, uh-huh. you know, and um, I I sometimes I'd go back in the control room and do some um, some switching and all that kind of stuff. So I was an all around guy. I yeah, could you just did. my work any place, yeah. I had to work anywhere wherever there was a need is where I would fill in, mm-hmm. and uh, I was doing that, and so. Um, I believe it was Tracy or somebody that couldn't make it, uh-huh. or some, one of the one of the hosts, one of the early hosts, I think it was Tracy, uh, couldn't make it. And so I was there and so they, again, just you like you there. did before, yeah, you let's try there. run. I, I was there. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, dude, you talk about me being a natural, all I was doing was acting. Out, out what I had already seen other people do, yeah. Because I was real good friends with Larry McCormick. Remember him from Channel uh, Five? Sure, sure. He was like my mentor, my my professional mentor, yeah. and um, and so I watched what they did and how they did things. And uh, those are early guys, man, that, that really taught me a lot, you yeah, know. Yeah. And I was just faking it. I was just faking it, man.
1: Well, you but you know what? You weren't intimidated. No. By fame. No. And so you'd be you'd, inter, you'd interview celebrities. Yeah. But there was no intimidation factor. You'd just jump right in and. Right. Well, I was scared you're, to you're, death, bro. You're, you were always really good with people. Yeah. And so you, you immediately had a, had a knack for putting people at ease right. and, and being able to talk to them like, right. you're the, like you've known them your whole life. Right. And so, yeah, you were able to, no matter how big the wig was, right. Right. you were able to sit down right. and have a good conversation yeah. with them.
0: That comes from my early upbringing. Remember, I That's lived true. all over the world. I had to make friends quickly. Yeah. yeah. You know, because I was always the odd man out. And yeah. I was always the only black kid. Uh, I, I, I was a military kid, so wherever we went, we weren't going to be there long, yeah. you know, and so I had to make friends really quick right. and that carried over into my adult life and into my profession.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, you and I just finished a shoot uh, a couple of hours ago, you know, and uh, one of the things that was bought up, you know, was about being comfortable on camera, right. you know, uh, being comfortable and making people feel comfortable when you talk to them. Well, that was easy for me yeah. because I don't know any strangers. You know, and I can walk right up. You know me and you've watched me. I can go walk into a room of strangers within five minutes. I got the
1: room. Well, we always loved working with you because yeah. we knew that when you were hosting, we didn't have to worry about the content. Right. We knew that you had that down. and right. You were, like I said, you were a natural. Um, right. But again, let's touch upon some of the famous folks that you got oh, to yeah. meet throughout your career. Because... And a lot, some of them I was able to work with you. My role was behind the scenes, but right. you were in front of the camera, which right. is a whole different animal, much more difficult animal, I would argue. But yes. who are some of your favorites? You, you did Ray Charles.
0: Ray Charles. Mm-hmm. And in his studio. In his in studio, In Los that's Angeles, right. you know, Ray that's Charles. Right. And, and that same day that we did Ray Charles, we did Ray Charles twice. Uh-huh. One time I did the interview, and then Tony Matthews did the oh, that's right. interview. Oh, that's right. And then, uh, so we went there twice. The first time we went there was Ray Charles and Slash. Slash. Uh huh. Wow. It was Some Save Guns the Music. AT and T. Yes. AT and T. Save the Music. Oh, that's thing. right. That's, uh-huh. that's Indie right. Irie, when she was just coming up. Remember we did that. Oh, that's right. It was right. at that yeah. auditorium. Yep. Dude, you, we 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 got. I
1: forgot about the Indiaire. Yeah. I mean, yeah. she was just
0: coming up. Yeah. You know, it had that big auditorium uh, to the Save the Music. Uh, what's the guy with the ball? Russell Simmons. Yep.
1: Remember
0: Russell yep. Simmons? Yeah. Oh, he never mind. I guess we can't talk about that. <laughs>
1: Russell Mm. Simmons, you did, but you did a lot of you did a lot of entertainers
0: and actors. Yes, you did did Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage. Well, you did the whole crew of Game of Thrones. That's right. That's right. um, uh, Early cast, the first cast. That was first season. First, very first first season. That's right. We were promoting
1: it. We 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 did a promotion. Did a promotion to promote Game of Thrones, which nobody
0: had heard of. Nobody heard of.
1: And you you ended up doing. Peter Dinklage was cool. Wasn't oh, me? he
0: was real cool, man. Because yeah. I didn't know, because I didn't know what, sh- we couldn't get in a room to sit down and talk to him. Yeah. We had to interview him in the lobby. In, in the lobby. And so I got down on one knee. I said, man, <laughs> is, this, is this embarrassing to you at all? He says, no, man, just get your interview. Whatever you need. <laughs> he was so cool, man. That's one of my favorite actors of this very day. Yeah. I have a lot of respect for him. Yeah,
1: man. yeah. Who are some of the others?
0: Oh, wow. Gosh, man. The list is on Brian McKnight. Uh, I did him um, a couple of times. Uh, Smokey Robinson. Yeah, uh, who was yeah. kind of like probably my all-time favorite because of his legendary status. Right, um, really cool guy, man. And I, I've, you've seen my pictures and sure and stuff sure, with yeah. him. Uh, he was really good. Um, we mentioned um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, which was a brief interview, but. Uh, dude, this is kind
1: of... The athletes, you did Maury Wills. Maury Wills. Oh, you Maury did, Wills is the greatest. Uh, you Eric Davis. Eric Davis, baseball player. Who, yeah. who else? Uh, uh, Strawberry. Daryl Strawberry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Daryl
0: Strawberry. Joe Strawberry was really cool too. That, yeah, uh, that was a good one. I got them through James Bishop and those guys uh, through oh, their yeah. football, baseball workshops, that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Um, gosh, man, the list! I I should have wrote some of these down because I I don't like the name drop a lot. For one thing, you know. No, I know we've done it. You know, but Willie Galt... Remember Willie Galt?
1: Yeah, the runner he, for and the Raiders football players, and yeah. football player yeah, yeah. for the Raiders.
0: Yep. Uh, he had a ballet thing. You went with me, would not you? I, with I me? remember that one in yeah. Long Beach. Yep. He did the ballet thing. Uh, yeah. This is all old school stuff, man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the guy from the Medallions. that was the guy married to Etta James. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, that that was kind of an interesting yeah. interview. Yeah, it me?
1: was. It was. Yeah. 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 I'm amazing. I mean, just the. And you have pictures of a lot of these folks, and so oh, yeah. when you, oh, yeah. like I said, when you put that book together, you, you know, you're, you're <laughs> side reason. by side with a who's who from yep. all walks of life. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just incredible. So, mm-hmm. um, what? Do I oh, know Lou Ferrigno. Me? Oh, Lou Ferrigno. That Lou was Ferrigno. One, of, yeah. one of the favorite ones. With yeah, Lou the
0: day we blew up his bathroom. Well,
1: that's, <laughs> that's another right. that's a, that's
0: another story. But old Lou turned green that day, didn't he? <laughs> He was looking out the window, Where you a fr- where's your friend? That's right. And I was in there blowing that bathroom up, man. I was sick, man. I blew that bathroom <laughs> up. And, and I came tiptoeing. I was sweating when I came out of yeah. there, man. And yeah. I came tiptoeing. I said, Jeff, let's go, go, go. Now. Go,
1: go, go. We were packing up the equipment. We are like, what's yeah. wrong with you? And, go, go. Yeah, yeah. Come to find out you had you'd used his restroom oh, and I, put it out of commission. No, I, I misused his restroom.
0: I misused wow. his restroom. Wow. You're going no come back here no more. <laughs> Remember we ran into him uh, yeah, at, at uh, WonderCon. WonderCon. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Do you think he recognized me? I don't think he did. No, I think it would have been a
1: different interview. Had yeah. It, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, he'd put me in a headlock, man.
0: <laughs> after all of that, you know. But wow. Yeah, but uh, Lufer Rigno, man. Yeah. Uh, remember Punch? Uh, oh yeah, Eric Estrada. Ch- Eric Estrada. We did. That's remember right. we did him with the. Cars? You did the guys from Emergency. The guy, both of them. Yeah. You did. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And matter yeah. Matter of fact, I got the, I got their pictures sitting right out here too. So I did them. Uh, I just I just did an interview. Uh, not so long ago over at the Mazeo, uh with um, Michael Paul Glazier, uh, Paul Starsky Michael, and Paul Hutt. Michael Glazer. Paul Michael yes, Glazer yeah. Yes, I did him. I, that's
1: right. I saw you post that picture and I was yep. like, what are you doing with Starsky? <laughs> yep.
0: Yep. They <laughs> so, so did all of that. So, dude, just the list goes on and dude, on, that's man.
1: A, I mean, what an amazing journey though. Yeah. I mean, to, so, to
0: think about, you know,
1: where you started, where you ended up. Mm-hmm. And, and, dude, you clawed your way back. I yep. mean, to heights that very few people could imagine. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, it's just an amazing, amazing story. Yeah. You know, I, and one of, like I mentioned before, one of my favorite things is we would, you know, we would, we would have these morning talks. We worked together <laughs> a few years ago. I miss where that. We, we were in a, you know, a job that we worked side by side right. for uh, right. was four or five days. years. That man. was a great day. Man. Great days. But we would start our mornings just sitting there and shooting the breeze. Right. And dude, just... But uh, dude,
0: don't say that too loud. You know, this, you know, the city may get a hold of this too. Well, tape, you, you know, know, we'd
1: have have a cup of coffee and shoot the breeze. But. No, but it was
0: good, good stuff because it would pump oh, me up for my day. Me too. And get me pumped up for my editing or yeah. what have you. And we would start off kind of like talking editing or something. <laughs> exactly. And okay. then we'd go into these little sidebars. But bars. dude, the
1: nuggets of just stuff That's that tough. I've learned most of this stuff through those conversations, right? Dude, just even you seeing music. I yeah. mean, throughout the years, you we one of my favorite things is talking music with you yes. because we I think we both like all. All genres of music. Yes. and yes. Uh, You've seen some incredible acts through the years. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I mean, just mention some of the acts you saw. One of them was Nina Simone. I remember yes. I went through a
0: phase where I was listening to a lot of Nina Simone, and you're like,
1: Oh yeah, I saw her. I'm like, Whoa, really? Yeah. yeah.
0: Ne- Nina. Nina Simone. Um, I saw her at Fred Jets. Fred Jets Pied Piper, uh-huh. and she actually looked at me, and she said, uh, "Are there any lovers, Are there any lovers in the house tonight?" <laughs> And it was so crowded that I couldn't get a seat, I was standing up against the wall. Uh And so she looked over at me and she says, oh I see we got lovers all up against the wall tonight, don't we? She said with that in mind, I give him all my life. Oh man. Oh man, that, that 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 was a weird lady, but she was cool. Oh yeah. she was awesome. She was smooth. She <laughs> she had some problems mentally, Yeah, issues. She had some mental
1: issues, but what a what a performer. Yeah, that so. voice. Oh, oh. But dude, some of the other well, ones, you, you well, there was a documentary not too long ago yes. that was on and you said, Oh yeah, I was there. What like, stacks? What stacks? Yes. What was that? Talk dude, I
0: used to live, I used to live right across God, this is I got a lot of history, huh? Yeah. I, the, <laughs> I used to live right across the street from the Coliseum on Menlo Street. Okay. In other words, I literally crossed the street you know, and took a few steps and I was at the Coliseum. Wow. That's where I was. Wow. And they had... Okay, I'm gonna tell you the truth. Okay, uh-huh. I've never told anybody this. I'm gonna tell okay. you the truth. I really didn't pay to nugget. get it. I really didn't pay to get in, but I knew I knew how to sneak into the Coliseum. Only very few people knew. And as a matter of fact, I think that entryway is still there. But anyway, that's another story. I don't want to give out anything. But um, this was um, a thing there that, that that really blew me away. It was my first time seeing stars. You know, I was I a was yeah. youngster, I was seeing yeah, yeah. stars. And on that concert, Watt had the staple singers, uh, Carla Thomas, Rufus Thomas, oh, wow. Luther Ingram, remember him, if loving you is wrong, yeah. no, I don't want to be right. Uh, Isaac Hayes, remember Isaac oh, Hayes? of course. And I worked exclusively with Isaac Hayes, remember? Yes, uh, I saw a picture of you with Isaac yes, Hayes. Yes, yes, yeah. at, at, at a birthday party for Lisa Marie Presley. <laughs> he had wrote her a song, <laughs> you know, he had wrote her a song. And little spinoffs like that, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and um, they also had Albert King, who was BB King's brother, I believe it was. Uh-huh. Uh, Richard Pryor was there, uh, so just all kinds of uh, different people. This was back uh, in 1973. Wow. And I was right across the street, and I saw it. It was one of the biggest things going, man. It was
1: huge. Yeah. It was
0: huge. Well, like you said, there's I
1: I I found out about it because I saw a documentary that right. was on it, and I and I was right. telling you, I'm like Ron, you got to see this documentary. And right. You're like, what is it? And I said. It was something with Stax Records, and you're like, was it the Stax?
0: Yeah. like, yeah, you were there. Yeah, I was there. Wow. Unbelievable. I was there, man. That was that was history, because you've never seen that many black people together at the same time, you know, yeah. in yeah. harmony. Yeah. You know, yeah. and man, it was phenomenal. Wow. Phenomenal, man. It was big. But you know what's really weird about that? As big as that thing was, it happened, and then it disappeared. Yeah. You didn't hear anything else about it. Wow. And so I think back here about two or three years ago, they was they, they had a resurrection, didn't it? Uh, they, they were doing a reunion, I think. They were trying to get together.
1: They, I saw an ad, and then, in fact, I, we talked we about, talk it. about it. About they were it. looking yeah. for if anybody that had clips and stuff from back then. Right. If anybody had footage or photographs yes. or anything, because they, they were working on a documentary about right. it. Right, so, right, right, Yeah. yeah. right.
0: It's wow. amazing, man. Wow. Amazing, amazing.
1: So, dude, I mean, we'll, we'll wrap this up soon, yeah. but but in the news lately all you hear about is race Right. i mean that's yeah. all you hear yeah. about i yeah. mean uh, and me and you have, we we have talked about it over Many the times. years over you know i mean it's it's never been an issue but right. what what's your perspective on on the way that, everything that you've seen in your time i mean you've seen the worst of the worst yes yeah and you see today
0: what yeah. uh, what do you think man dude once again every Opportunity a young person, even an older person, gets they need to travel somewhere, yeah. Come out of your geographical environment and go see how other people live, yeah. And it's because of that background, you know, that the Muslims couldn't teach me hate because I knew different, right? I I experienced different. Uh, the Black Panthers couldn't teach me the hate if they did, then you and I wouldn't be friends today, yeah. And you are one of my best friends, one of my best of friends, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean you know, I'd I'd take a nerf bullet for you, man. Wow. <laughs> for <instance. laughs> um and so I'm kinda of funny when it comes to race and a lot of people in my own race, you know, have put me down for it. But let me tell you this I'm not I'm not gonna hold you responsible for two hundred years of slavery, okay? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm not gonna hold you responsible for that. Yeah, yeah. And so the thinking is different. You know, all white people aren't out to get you. Yeah. You know, some of my best friends are white people. You know? <laughs> uh, and, and, and I'll never forget, oh, I shouldn't say this. Oh, maybe I should. Oh, I won't missing any names. Uh-huh. When it came time for me, i never forget, it was one Christmas um, in a certain city. Mm-hmm. And they were supposed to pay me, and I had kids. But I had little kids at the time. And it was that last check was going to be my Christmas check to get their Christmas gifts and everything else. And the city... Wasn't going to pay me until the first of the year. Oh. And I was crushed, man. So I okay. went to the mayor at that time, who was a black man. And he brushed me off, dude. He brushed me off. He says, okay, we'll, 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 we'll deal with that the first of the year, So on and forth. A Latino guy who came in, who was a councilman at that time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: God, I wish I could mention his name, but he may not want me to.
1: Yeah.
0: Can I mention his name?
1: Yeah. A guy by
0: him. the name of Arturo Reyes. Oh, yeah. I remember him. A cool sure. guy. Yeah, Really cool guy. He says, what? He says, no. And that guy went all the way to City Hall. And, um, oh no, she went to finance and had them cut me a check. Then she went, he went to the, the, the city treasurer's home and wow. had her sign the check. Wow. And then came back to me and says, here's your check. Wow. Okay. So you're asking me, how can I hate white people? How can I hate Mexican people? I, I can't. I can't because I, know, I only know people. I don't see color. Yeah. And it hurts me and it kills me when I see people always using the race card, you know, uh, Sometimes it may be warranted, but other times not, you know, and, yeah. and when you keep using it in the wrong way, you water it down to where it has no effect after a while, you know. And so my theory on this, man, is I treat people like people. I don't care what you think about me. I'm old. Right. Once you reach a certain age, you really just don't care. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't care what they think about me. You can. This has been my journey. And my journey as some of the best, most influential people in my life have been people that didn't look like me.
1: Mm-hmm. And I believe
0: God planned it that way, you know, and when when you talk about heaven or another place beyond where we are now, it's going to be a conglomerate of all different types of races and all that kind of stuff. And if you have a problem with that, you're probably not going, you know, you probably won't be there if you got a problem with it. And so always using the race, I just get tired of it, man, especially in sports, you know, sports is entertainment for me, but I look at that ESPN man and screaming A. Smith you know uh, those guys; they always bring up the race thing. It's
1: every conversation you have today, and every right. media outlet you have. Right. It's always it's always either race mm-hmm. or some sort of victimization. Right. And dude, that's that's. Uh, I mean, talk about somebody who could, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, could hold up either of those. Sure. I mean, your story. Sure. You, you've overcome all of that and more. Yep. And uh, and yet, in all the years I've known you, that's. I've never seen any of that
0: yeah. with you. Yeah. You've never expressed no. any of that. Not that route. And then to be, you know, one of the few, you know, black guys working in a prominent position in, in Anaheim is unheard of. But what yeah. happens? After a while, when they get into your personality and the energy of your spirit and who you are and what you do, they forget what color you are. Yeah. You know?
1: Well, it always does come down to content of character, right? There it is. That's really what everybody should keep. the forefront right we're all
0: people absolutely
1: so yeah absolutely yeah
0: but never has that been a thing uh with me and i know that sometimes i could have used it but i didn't use it for the mere fact that i knew there could be some collateral damage done yeah. And so certain things I just took because that's the personality of that person, you know. And if that's who you are, then that's who you are. I'm not going to sit here and fight with you because we're not going to accomplish anything. We're not going to overcome anything. You believe what you believe, and I believe what I believe, and let's just move on. But when you get to a certain age, I, I, I get tired. just I've heard I've heard 74 years of this stuff, man. Yeah. You know, and I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. Can I just go to the baseball game and you know not worry about somebody taking a knee or raising a black fist in the air? My kids. Uh, godfather is Tommy Smith.
1: Yes, you've mentioned that before. Tommy Smith, yeah.
0: and Tommy Smith was one of the guys in the, held up the
1: fist during uh, the sixty eight Olympics. sixty eight Olympics, yeah. I think it was held up yeah. the black fist.
0: Yep. That's my kid's godfather. Yeah, you know, and, and 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 so with him, you know, he he would always say that, you know, he 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 he. It really wasn't a, a stance per se, and more of a prayer uh-huh. that type of thing. He he would say, I can't quote him verbatim. But I don't want to misquote him. But it wasn't all about the militancy. It was he said he was had his fists up and praying for all the black people that, that are back here suffering and going through what have you. Yeah. But the main thing is, yeah, there's some injustices. Yes, we've gone through some things, but I'm not holding you responsible for slavery or any of that kind of stuff. It happened. Okay, we've we evolved from it. Let's go on from here. Yeah. You know, let's let the next generations, you know, be better generations from here. You know? Well, I, I tell you what, dude, you you have been a huge
1: blessing in my life and throughout our career not only did you do hosting and you did behind the scenes stuff but you also mm. did i mean one of the most impactful things i saw you do was take on the cub reporters oh, there was a man. program that our our company had oh. way back in the day where um it was mentoring kids mm-hmm. and basically teaching them how to do reporting yes dude yes. I, I saw you be such a positive influence on yep. so many of those kids yes and then just people we have worked with throughout the years mm-hmm. i mean i think of You know, there's a girl we worked with that now is huge on social media. Has her own social media. You know, uh, she. I mean, she's a big time star on social media. Dude, you taught her everything. Everything that she knew with that. Jocelyn Davis. I am. Yeah, Jocelyn, man. I mean, but that that all started with you. And I could, when I think back, there are so many people that you have influenced through your example. Mm -hmm. You know, and and just uh, your leadership. Thank you so much for sharing all this with yeah, our yeah, audience sure, tonight because, you know, like I said, I've heard this throughout the years. I know that most people who have met you don't know your story. Right, right, Because right. you don't you don't wear it on your sleeve. No, no. You, you know, you don't talk about it unless you're asked about it. Yeah. And And uh, I didn't know if you'd want to talk about it, but sure. Boy, I sure am glad you are. Sure. You, you, you did. Because and hopefully,
0: yeah, hopefully it helps somebody, man. I'm, I'm not boasting or anything like that, but I'm just hoping that there's something that I said, you know, that will really bless somebody to say, hey, you know what, you know, I need to switch up the way I'm doing things, you know, and that type yeah. of thing. And it's all kind of little lessons here in, 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 in personal growth, uh, knowing how to deal with things. Because see, it wasn't until later in life that I was able to deal with my core issues, yeah. the things that I was hiding on the inside. I learned how to hurt. When hurt would come, I had a special spot for it where it wouldn't bother me. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew how to, but all, sooner or later, that stuff has to be dealt with. And uh, and that's when I about oh, about ten years ago I started dealing with my core issues. Yeah. Uh, going back and finally met my mother and them for the first time. I remember when you did yeah. that,
1: and you actually went back and made up with your mom, uh-huh. reconnected with your mom yeah. who had basically abandoned. Absolutely, basically, dude, yeah. they killed me off. <laughs> yeah, and and your
0: family, but dude, mm-hmm. today you're back in the graces with them. They're all there. We're all connected. It's Even amazing. my kids. Remember, I was uh, yeah. the drugs separated me from my children. Yeah. You know, um, my kids. Uh, I didn't raise them. You know, yeah. um, they were they were already grown women by the time. And I looked for them. I found them on Facebook. Wow. You know, one of the best moves I ever made in my life was to go looking for them. Yeah. They didn't find me. I found them. Right. And when I made that call, man, instantly. I, I, when I didn't make the call, I sent a uh, friend request uh-huh. to my second daughter. <laughs> and man, instantly, <laughs> you yeah. know, she was on the phone, Dad! You know, <laughs> you know Ranisha. I do. And I do. Dad! And so she said, "We miss you, you know." And, oh man, just amazing! So yeah. all of that got put back together again. All all that the canker worm had destroyed, God put all that back together again. Yeah. And then here I am, you know. Wow. So here I am. So it's it's been quite a journey, but hopefully somebody will get something out of it, man. Uh, don't 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 go around blaming other folks. For, for your mistakes and your mishaps or, or your journey, you know, yeah. start right now today and, 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 and start a new journey, you know, create a new sigmoid. You know, if you plateau, start it, go, keep going. Because for all intended purposes, I should have never been where I was. I had never had a class in journalism, never had a class in production, no yeah. schooling whatsoever, and walked right into CNN headline news local edition. Yeah. Then yeah. I went back and got some, took a few workshops and stuff to learn about what I was doing. Right. But so you don't know where God's going to put you. He can put you any place, anytime, anywhere He sees fit and qualify you. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> and qualify you. Yeah. You know He doesn't he, he doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Wow, dude, that's deep. I that know. Is, that really is deep. I know. And what what an example you've been, man.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, dude, I. Anything else you want to add? I mean, I. Uh,
0: no. I, um,
1: we've gone gone a little longer than we normally go, but I I think it was worth it I think
0: they'll stay tuned but I uh, I just want to thank you for for many of you you've always looked out for me through the years Uh, where I'm at right now is because of you you know you taught me so much man I learned so much from you Um, and we've been friends I don't think we've ever really had a harsh word what at one time you got mad at me for taking all the equipment out of the place <laughs> without telling him, I said, "Whoa, you got all the equipment? Where's the equipment? Is in Ron's car?" Well, what? <laughs> you know, but all the stuff you let me get away with back in the day when I was just struggling, times when I was in need desperately, man, and without hesitation, you came to my aid financially. You know, you've uh, spiritually, uh, you've gone with me to different places where I, you knew I needed your help. You know, and so we've just been. Well, dude, vice
1: versa. I've I've had a lot of ups and downs in my Mm. my life and, you know, lost lost people and had tough times in relationships. Mm -hmm. And dude, you've always been there to listen and to offer great advice. Yeah. And I respect it because I know where you've come from and I know what you've told me that you've been through. I don't know the extent of it. But but dude, I can't think of a better example of somebody to uh and then just spiritually, dude, you know you we didn't even get into your pastorship. Right. Right. But dude, you know the Bible. You have one of the deepest relationships with God that of anybody that I know. And uh your advice where to look when when you need to look Mm -hmm. has just been immensely valuable to me. Thank and you, so, brother. No, thank you. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you. So um, really anyway, I think we're wrapping up now. Let's so, wrap it up, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well you want to take us out of here then?
0: Um, well I think we ought to let the folks know because you know we've been getting a lot of people that have been writing in and dude uh, I looked at our I looked at our stats. People are downloading these shows yes, man. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I think so, it's important to let the folks know how they can find us. And, yep.
1: So the easiest way is find us on Facebook and you can always contact us through Facebook. It's mm-hmm. the I was there podcast you can always email us at the iwastherepodcast at gmail.com as well and so uh if you like what you hear also give us a rating because it helps it helps boost us in the queue and Mm -hmm. helps helps uh people find the show a little bit easier yeah but yeah please
0: reach out if you like what you hear let us know
1: we like to hear from our Audience,
0: and even if you or someone you know has a unique story about history, yes, there were eyewitnesses. We we're looking for eyewitnesses, people who actually lived at a historical uh, period in yes. of time. So, we're always looking for good stories. Uh, yep. Of course, we have to check everything out to make sure that yep. you know yep. you're not test the lion, but but. You know, we're looking for unusual stories. And yes. some of the stuff that we put out there, people have just been going crazy over. So uh, I don't think it's so much us. I just think it's the stories that are really landing, oh, folks, man. Yeah,
1: no, I so appreciate people coming on and sharing what they've seen. and yes. By telling their story, it puts us right there with them. Yeah, And, yes. and uh, you know, we're able to go on the journey with them. So, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's all I got, man.
0: That's all I got. And want right. to thank you folks for listening in. And, oh, we got some stuff lined up coming down the pipe. Yeah, there's some good yeah, ones coming oh, up. Oh, some good stuff coming so we can't wait to get to that so thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on I was there thanks everybody